So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Here we are back with another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast and something to celebrate once again, boys. Toby and Leo joining me today. Rennie finally has a taste of back-to-back victories and Australia has two back-to-back victories over the world number ones, the previous world champion, South Africa. This one even more convincing than last week. Out there at Suncorp, Fortress Suncorp, they looked unstoppable for parts of this game. And they come away with a bonus point win, four tries to one, 30 points to 17. Now, boys, what what was your thinking? Like, we start off early in this game, you know, we get two early tries. They get an early yellow card to Faf, who's being a bloody airhead in the ruck, knocking the ball out while he's in an offside position. And then we get Len over twice for two tries and go up early. Like, what, what was your first sort of thoughts on this, these first dominant 20 minutes? It just felt like things were happening for us and like we looked positive in the way we were playing. We weren't making those silly mistakes. And, yeah, we were actually executing and, and you know, capitalising on those opportunities in their half early in the game, which we haven't been able to do against, say, the All Blacks. Like getting some early scoreboard pressure is really important. And I think it really screams of desperation seeing Faf do what he did in that circumstance. Like, It's just so stupid. Like, in terms of discipline, that's what the Springboks were priding themselves on for a long time and playing smart. And that in the first, I don't know, first 10 minutes, was it? Yeah, 12 minutes in, he does that and costs himself a I mean, ridiculous, ridiculous. And, yeah, I just love the way we were playing. We just looked like we had a plan and we were working to it just really solid. Um, So a lot to love about our start in the first half. And I actually loved the ref's reaction to that because so many times you see something cynical like that and it's kind of like you get the, oh, it's early in the game, this is your formal warning, we'll have none of that. And it's not a real warning, right, because it just means that they got away with it. So to see a strong um, response to that and see them cart it off, I think that's awesome. You've set the standard, there's going to be no nonsense. And we did all the right things then in that next 10 minutes. We scored two tries, 12 points, uh, Quaid putting one off the post, first kick. Um, but just like you get that momentum, you've got the positive mindset, you're coming off a win, you've, you've got them being ill-disciplined early, your guys are hitting the ball with pace, we're running direct, we're running hard, we're finding gaps. Uh, the platform provided by some of the the guys who've come into the side more recently I think is just so invaluable. I, I don't, And I, I think that's helped get us to that more um, positive mindset, the winning mindset. Um, you know, Karevi just barreling into guys and breaking tackles. Tupo starting the game, breaking tackles, charging, making meters. Um, you've got guys like Rodder who, who's in there making pilfers. I think he's lifting the performance of guys like Philip. Um, you've got the hard hitters like Swinton and Falau Fainga who are just like the, the lineouts are great. The, the scrum was probably not, not perfect, 
um, and those guys are making their mark, I, I just worry that it's a bit uh, a bit loose from those two. But you, you just keep adding all that up, and and Quaid's it's not like like bring Quaid in and he's you know turned into the um, the trickster magician mystery balls mm. flick passes out the back like it's not that game plan it's just delivery confidence he's up in the line tackling like it's a team effort and it's just it's just really positive and i think that comes with some wins and now we're just backing up wins with wins it's great so we went from scoring those two tries up 12-3 by the time they get back up to 15 men and then we sort of went through a bit of a lull springboks accumulating points we get this yellow card to swinton um at 32 minutes in and we go to the half 15 points to 12 First off, it seemed like Swinton was destined for another red card. We've seen it before. We've seen it on his debut. It just felt like that's where we were going for, despite the fact that initially um, the ref looked at it and said, yep, that's fine, keep going. And it was only when the TMO drew him back um, to have another review of it, there was this question of, what's this a shoulder charge? What's this direct head-to-head contact? First off, well, Vermeulen was down getting getting looked at. Yeah, which which helped you know make a point of out. Oh, there was some sort of collision there. Just, I think that was such a weird interplay between TMO and the referee. As you said, the TMO almost brought him back into it to look at it more closely. And then when he was leaning towards giving the red, the TMO was like, "Actually, no, no, no!" Like it was yeah, shoulder, look at this shoulder on shoulder. Yeah, look at this view. And then he's like, "Okay, so yellow." It's like, guys, this is just. Absolutely ridiculous conversation. It just seems insane that it went from nothing to, oh, this might be a penalty. Oh, it's a red card. Oh, wait, no, it's a yellow card in the space of looking at this sort of image over the, the course of a minute or two minutes, however it sort of made. It just seemed so murky with with what people were seeing and what people were thinking. But you're right, Arch. It, it was a it was a heart sinking moment. It was like a as a as a viewer, as a spectator, you're like, oh, here we go. Swinton hasn't wrapped again. He's he's trying to you know lay out Vermeule, and then he's instead he's gone in with a shoulder charge and he's made head contact, and they're going to piece all that together and over overrule it like over over discipline it, make yeah. it a redness. Yeah. It's going to spoil the game. We're going to lose the momentum we had. This is the this is the way back in for the box, and thankfully that's not what it ended up being. But it's still it just I I really don't like the the technique from Swinton and Falau Fainga. They're they this will happen in games, oh, and it I may not always you... be picked up. Yeah. It's the cannibal tackles at legs. It's not using your arms, and Swinton in that particular example didn't need. It wasn't it wasn't the only way to tackle Vermeulen. If he'd lowered his shoulder and put his head down and just wrapped in a normal tackle. It might not have been the shoulder-to-shoulder bump, but you still would have had him. And that it's just a technique issue. Yeah. If you change that, Swinton doesn't have a weakness that might cause a yellow or red card and completely flip the momentum of a game. Yeah. It's a bit of a systemic problem in Swinton's game. Um, it's like yeah. an inability to bend at the hips, it seems like. He can't get his head I'm just tough. at the same. Like, yeah. Just magnetically links onto his head. Yeah, he... that's right. And his shoulders, yeah. His elbows are stuck to his um, sides as well. So, so He's going to have issues staying in the side if that doesn't change because there's enough competition in the back row. He will not hold his position if he carries that risk because there are other players that don't. It sort of Surrey's uh, an otherwise sort of quite good game from Swinton, an impactful game sort of at most other parts in the field. 
yet in the line out, he's been become sort of a really you know, good at sort two. of point at that sort of two jumper, and he seems to be getting consistent ball there. Um, but yeah, that definitely slowed a little bit of our momentum. We drop a couple of other points. We don't go. We have some good defense at the end of the half um, to make sure that we don't concede any more penalties or tries. Um, thankfully, some big counterarcs from Marika Korobiti, um started that one and then brought in a few of the forwards and otherwise to get back the ball, which was lovely to see. Um, but then Springboks again start fast the second half. Um, we've lost at this point, we've lost Tom Banks to what we now know as a um, lower arm fracture. And Hodge had to come on and replace him then. Um, and they get a little bit caught out position with no fullback and um, Faf does what Faf does best and sets up Lucanio Am for a try with a sneaky little grubber down the blind side early in that second half. And then it seemed like, oh God, they're back in front now by a point. What, are, what What's going to happen? What are the Wallabies? How are they going to respond to this? Yeah, that was the point where I was really concerned that the game was going to get out of hand and it felt as though momentum was with, were with the Springboks at that point. But the last half an hour was all us. And then we managed to score those two tries that were really well done. Um, and yeah, we got that we got that scoreboard pressure again and we maintained it. And look, I think it was a fantastic performance by us in terms of fitness. I think that really shone through in the last 20. Um, Leo, Archie, one of you made the point that, you know, Deliende was just couldn't even chase properly on that break. Um, he was gassed, completely gassed. Yeah, and- that's right. On that, Karevi popped up to Samu running through as they've combined a couple of times now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Looks so just... gassed, couldn't make a tackle, and then Korobiti dives over. Although the personnel in this team, this Springboks team, is so slim- similar to the World Cup, they're just such a different team now, like overall in terms of their conditioning, their accuracy, um, and they're just not as ruthless. Um, and I think they can recover from these couple of bad performances and look, they were apologizing to the rugby public in South Africa. That's how bad it was in the, in their mind, this loss. So I expect a reaction next week. I just don't think they have time to prepare for, you know, an all blacks team that quite clearly is better than the Wallabies. Yeah. And we've made them look second rate in these two games. I think. Yeah. We left a lot of points out there in the first game in this one, we probably could have scored more as well. And we won pretty comfortably in the end. So Springboks have a lot of work to do. So we'll talk a bit about the Springboks, who precisely is our biggest sort of disappointments from this one. But first, I want to stop and I want to congratulate a very special man. Marika, you finally got over after like, what is it? So many rejections. Disallowed tries after he's dived over. He finally got his meat pie, this one, and then he backed it up with another one. Um, lovely to see from the big man. He deserves it, puts his heart into every aspect of every minute of the game. Um, and Taniella, love to see a little bit of that flash and flair with that little no-look pass. Didn't have to do that at all. Almost um, threw it yeah, behind Marika. Yeah, he's lucky Marika can, has the skills to reach back and take the ball, but God, it, it looked good, didn't it? But, but thank God as well that Taniella was able to play that 70-odd minutes. Um you know, he was absolutely done minutes, by the end of it. Yeah, he went yeah, off in the like, 78th. What an effort um, after getting really limited minutes off the bench for the last, you know, three or four games and now comes in and really performs and shows the best of his abilities. 
And I think there's he can be better in the scrum. He still kind of is angling in. I think he needs to address that. But around the park, he was he was pretty excellent. And it was actually Gus Bell that threw him the pass before the no looker. So yeah. um, obviously coming on in in the as a sub off the bench, but like the the dynamic features of these two guys, like as and young guys. Oh yeah. Um, but that they have the skills not to not to play ten, although Taniello was putting his hand up midweek um, to have a go. But just to, just to transfer the ball reliably, um, it's not always showy. It's it, but it's just being that good link. We, we've seen guys. We've had you know Philip throw some absolute pies, um, and and other forwards who who just couldn't quite link and and keep the the back line move going and, and you got these guys two front rowers out wide creating a try at, at the end of the game like that's really impressive that's that's what you'd like to have you know that that's a that's a generational kind of um skills skill to add to a, a, a good scrummaging prop i think both of them probably need to make sure that their scrummaging is absolutely without fault like that needs to be the, the primary focus but having those skills on the side it just gives you that little edge um, in situations like this when against the best teams in the world, you really need it. So overall, a very different look in terms of our stats looking at this game. Like we've seen these games versus the All Blacks where we, we tend to have more possession than more territory. And yet in this one, we're at 40% possession and territory against the Springboks. Um, clean breaks, sort of nine to one, which is a, a fantastic sort of thing to see. Uh Missed tackles, which has been sort of the bane of our existence, I think, versus some of these all-black teams and even versus the French, but only six out of 95 completed tackles in this one compared to 19 missed tackles by the Springboks, despite having uh, less time on defence. And probably what the most impressive part of this whole game was from our forward pack, not only was that around the ruck tight tackles, but the malls. We, we seem to be able to just diffuse the Springboks mall um, almost immediately, sort of eight or nine times out of 10 when they're trying this now. Yeah, which is really surprising to me that we've come this far this quickly. Obviously, Dan McKellar, that's been a real strength of, of you know, his coaching at the Brumbies. And we've able we've now been able to actually bring that across into the Wallabies. Whether it's Isaac Rodder leading the charge in that, I'm not sure, but you know, Matt Phillip is making himself a pest through the middle and, and doing some good things at mall time. But the way we're setting up, we just, yeah, we don't seem to be panicking. We get the right amount of guys in there and we were just dominant. Um, and that's, I haven't really seen that from a Wallabies team in a long time, you know, across two games. It was more evident in this game because obviously they scored some tries in the first contest. But this time around, we didn't even give them a sniff. And I, I really, this is more like a Northern Hemisphere type of skill set that the Wallabies really haven't, you know, tapped into um, over the last decade, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. They were talking about like the way they were doing it in a few articles and um, in terms of like really pressuring in sort of right at the ball carrier and not, not getting sort of bumped off by those sort of blocker men early on. Um, it seemed like Matt Phillip potentially was at the middle of it on one of the articles I read, but I don't know exactly what it is. And having someone like Darcy Swain come off the bench as well, he seems like he has a real nose for it 
as well, um, similar to what I think we saw back when Adam Coleman was sort of in the books and he was off, often the one that was sort of climbing his way through sort of that, that mall defence as well. Yeah, having a guy who has just a knack of, of swimming through the middle of the mall and shutting it down and then I guess we didn't see as much of that from Rodder, but then Rodder was over the ball in the rucks, putting pressure on the ball carrier, making a couple of steals, winning penalties. Like, again, special skills that you can add to guys who can hold their hold their spot in the scrum, help your pack dominate, are really solid in the line-out, lifting, jumping. Like, the, the, these are things that I think you need to have. You need to find those things. You, you can get by with a couple of guys that just do their job and, and nothing more. But it's it's points in the game when you are under pressure, the opposition do finally lift, string a few phases together, and all of a sudden you're um you're shutting down their mall right on the line. You're pilfering the ball with with a second row that they were targeting as a as a tired forward in the in the defensive line. Like the, those guys coming through, and and some of the other returners to to the squad this year have just made such a difference. And it feels like we've got some of those um, special talents back guys that you know you don't have the depth of four or five summer crevies to pick from if one leaves you there's more out there they just they just aren't they're all in league they all they've all gone overseas whatever they've, they've gone elsewhere so having those guys back on the side it's just made this team more complete and brought a lot of experience i'm sure does kind of feel like sorry toby um, that maybe looking back at what we were playing versus the french team like our squad at that point it almost feels like we were playing a little bit of a B side or a slightly understrength side compared to what we're looking at now with that, just that little bit more experience and those few sort of other options that we're, we're having around the park. Yeah, I think so as well. And like, there's more to come. If, if we get Skelton and Rory Arnold back into the mix on this, you know, spring tour, there could be some real dominance from the forwards on a week to week basis against some of these bigger packs you know, teams like England that are always so physical up front. So I'm excited to see what we can do with a, you know, full complement of players. Um, and, yeah, against France, I think we were just playing such an inexperienced team. Just adding a few layers of experience throughout really makes a big difference. And, you know, the experience of Michael Hooper as well, I think we've just got to shout out to him and say, look, 60 games as captain Absolutely. for the Wallabies, yeah. new record holder, you know, he's set to dwarf, you know, the cats by other captains. If he keeps going this way, he could e easily captain the Wallabies for 80 or 90 games. Um, he's just so durable. And, like, I think he's he's kind of hit another good patch of form after he's come back from Japan. He looks refreshed. He looks dangerous. Um, and, yeah, he's, only still, he's still only 29. So I think huge effort by him in another game and... Yeah, I just I'm really pleased that we've still got him around, even though there's guys like Sean McMahon in the mix now. Um, look, Hoops is massive for us every week. Yeah, he does look really hungry. He does. He's always had a lot of energy. He's bringing another level of energy. Uh, he got a pilfer on the weekend, so absolutely no knocks on him. He now. got three. Well, that was one critical one later in the game that, he, that yeah, stands out to me. But yeah, and, and those guys with that experience. Just, just makes so much of a difference. They're bringing different understandings of, of playing styles, players who we don't see except in these internationals if they've been exposed to them or even played alongside them. Hasn't um, Dwayne Vermeulen and 
um, what was, whether it was Quaid or someone who played alongside each other for Toulon or something back in the day. Like these these guys are a little bit familiar with each other. They've they've played together before, so you just just you learn little things along the way, um, and and that just makes a difference. And and we talked about last week having the senior guys or more experienced guys interspersed in a young team, which is what we are. We are a young team. Um, means that you're not playing 15 young guys or you know 12 young guys and three guys who've been to a World Cup. You, you've you've now got support structures around developing ten, developing nines, or developing fullbacks, developing second rowers. Like Darcy Swain's gonna be so much better off with Rodder and Phillip versus being alongside another relatively inexperienced or or at least you know un, uncapped uh, international player alongside him. Yeah, um, compared to like being with Nick Frost at the Brumbies, say like yeah, know, or even like Tamani. So Tamani was in and around and, and obviously didn't really get a run, but yeah. that was a guy who we were pulling in because we needed players. Yeah, and Tamani has a whole lot of experience, but not as an international player. So those guys, even though they're a huge age difference, they're essentially they're almost debutants together, right? And oh, wow. or, or at least few minimal caps. So it's very different to bring in Rotto, who I think's already got like 30 something, 40 caps for, for the Wallabies. Like he's already been around for so long. Um, and we forget that. Like he's he went away, but he was he was a stalwart. He was a, one of your first pick. Um, mm. those guys make a difference. Samu Karevi makes a difference. If Noah does get a chance to come back in at 10, it's gonna be so much different with Samu outside him. So mm. um yeah, all those things just help us transition and develop without getting absolutely slammed and, and pushed backwards uh, through that process to the point where maybe you don't get these wins, you don't get the momentum, you don't get the positive mindset and the development either takes a long time or for some people just doesn't happen. So going from that, now we are this team that's obviously a lot of young guys now bringing in some people with experience. It's almost the opposite in South Africa, right? They've just got a team that's full of experience, but maybe they don't quite have the youth. And they have a lot of players that look like shadows of their former selves, whether that's a product of um, being just in poor form or outplayed or whether they well and truly are over Mm -hmm. the hill. But, I mean, you look at this South African team now and you have to be asking the questions about people like Dwayne Vermeulen like, is he over the hill sort of thing? Andre Pollard looks like a uh, shadow himself, the same with Willie LaRue. Um, Lucania Am has some sparks, but him and Damien DLN, they don't seem to have anywhere near sort of the combination um, and impact that they seem to have defensively or offensively um, over the past years. Where, where are the Springboks now going to look to? Like, they've, they've had some young people coming in. Jasper Vise was sort of around during the Pumas before they had the Vermeulen, but now he's been cited for that yellow card late in the game, so probably going to be out. So where where do you look to change? What do you bring in, or do you keep with the same team versus the All Blacks? I think they will probably keep with the same team. I wouldn't discount the amount of uh, disruption uh, to, you know, having to travel, having to quarantine, getting the what would have been a, a fairly crushing last-minute loss with Quaid kicking that, that penalty in the first test um, and then just coming out and maybe being too frustrated with the situation, you know, dumb, dumb penalties, dumb cards from Faf. Like they just, they just not got their heads in the right spot. I, I think a lot of those players still have what it takes, but they look tired. 
like I've, I don't think I'd ever seen Andre Pollard look just out of wind, like just just you know dead man walking type thing on the field late in the game. Like he ne- he always looks quite um, composed and he just looked exhausted in this game and and the first game. So the travel, the quarantine, the conditioning, lack of international rugby last year. Like they've got themselves up for the Lions tour. They got they got that success, but maybe they're they're just flagging a little bit and they're just a bit lacking in conditioning. I don't think you get a lot more from guys who are less experienced and maybe more um, more sort of imposed on mentally by the All Blacks who are peak condition, but you know play like they're at home every week. Um, that I think they probably stick with most of the same guys and they and they try and lift um, to to fight off the All Blacks because I mean essentially everyone's in this right. If if the Springboks get good wins over the All Blacks, which is not what you'd bet on, um, but if they do, then they've got four wins and and they're at the top of the table with hopefully the Wallabies who get some wins against Argentina. If everyone basically beats up on Argentina and and there's a three way tie, it's it's whoever's got all the bonus points. So this is can still kind of go any, any way. I don't think they make big changes. I think they just need to refocus their senior guys and, and try and give them um, a better plan if they're lacking the conditioning. It may help. Um, apparently Lou Diago, Lou Diago, sorry, um, is over his concussion symptoms and probably will be back. And there are hints that potentially Cheslin Colby might be available for, this weekend's game too. Yeah. I was going to say Colby, I think is a massive out when he's not there. They just lack that real spark. Um, Ori was disappointing, wasn't he? And I think they're, they're struggling hurt to them a lot. find a balance. Yeah. He was terrible. And like playing three locks is when one of them is not Peter Steph to toy. That's, that's what I was about to say. I just don't think they have the quality there. And most it's, he's, he's pretty decent. Um, but Playing him on the blind side, look, I'm not really a fan of that. I think Lou Diaga and Elizabeth in the second row, and then you might start someone a bit more dynamic at six. Khaleesi is a bit of a hybrid as well. Um, he hasn't looked as dominant as he normally does either. Vermeulen, does he need a break? I mean, he's, he's getting on in years and maybe you bring him off the bench, but I just don't know who they have in their playing stock to actually replace him. The back line, I think, is going to stay pretty much the same and unless Colby comes in on one of the, the wings. Um, South Africa just did a place now where I think they could. They thought that maybe they could extend a lot of these guys into the next World Cup and just bring in a few younger players to kind of bridge the gap and kind of bring that energy into the squad. But now it's looking like maybe they need more of a refresh than they realised. Um, and, yeah, I think that the real excitement and pressure of that Lions series got them up and about. But this rugby championship, I'm not sure they ever thought they were going to win it. You know, coming over to Australia, not having any home field advantage and the way the All Blacks have been playing, I reckon they just want to get it done and get home. Um, So I'm expecting the All Blacks to be ruthless. I think it's going to be really a destructive game from them. And to and kind of making the most of a out of sorts South African team, they they'd have to find two or three high gears to actually match the All Blacks. Yeah, I think it's asking a very lot. Um, 
So the result of that is that Australia is back to number three in the world. The result of the All Blacks then winning by a significant margin over the Pumas is that they go back up to number one. Slightly sort of erroneous in the fact that because um, they're still being attributed home games to South Africa, New Zealand, Argentina on this tour while everyone is playing in Australia. So the first game was um, technically a, South, a Springboks home game and hence uh, the Wallabies did get more points for it. Um, That's silly. A little bit, but then how do you do it otherwise? You just, you say they're all home games and then what I mean, do you do? I mean, that's the reality though, right? Like the South Africans got nothing from traveling over being through a quarantine period and having a, a hostile uh, crowd. Like, unfortunately, it's just, it's a, it's a bad year to be the world number ones touring away after a year off. Like it's a terrible situation for them. They, they're they're going to at least drop right down towards the second spot on the on the rankings lose that big points advantage they had like it's it's a terrible you know un, like it's it's not been um forced upon them because you know they they lost a bet or anything it's just unfortunate it's the, the situation they're in yeah. but it's a huge disadvantage like if anything considering these all as away games for them with whatever algorithm gets them the points at least that softens the blow it seems very unfair that it was considered a home game, especially the first one, even though that was the original scheduling. Like, that's worst-case scenario. And they've gone down to a team that was flagging down at sixth or fifth or whatever we were. Yeah, so down at seventh before that game. And we jumped well, there, up to yeah, fifth, which is so why they... Yeah, which is why we've had a huge a, rise a off the back of this. Huge I mean, bump for us. The benefit is that normality is kind of restored. Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa are the top three in the world again. So that just makes you feel a little Southern bit hemisphere. more normal. 100%. Ireland's not up there. England's not up there. Oh, that just feels loses. a bit more normal. Um, so that is always nice to see. Um, but the All Blacks, Leo, you called it. They came out with um, Damian McKenzie at 10, um, Bowden on the bench here, uh, playing definitely a... Um, second string or B grade side um, with a lot of their young talent getting goes with the likes of Tupo Vai, Ethan Blackadder um, getting goes here, Takiyaho getting the run at hooker um, as well and the likes of Finlay Christie getting a run off the bench as well. Um, so lots of um, younger, lots of experience giving to these guys and still a good win but not without some sort of errors in sort of finishing quite a lot in this game yeah the 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 b team for the all blacks if it's a b team or you know almost a c team um is still a very strong side is still very dangerous if anything it's got more of the the dynamic counter-attacking you know more flair than um consistency or um subtlety than uh the the a team um the the issues they had, they had a couple of tries called back for narrow but forward passes. They had Finlay Christie spill a ball. They had Rico making, I suppose, dumb decisions when, after he basically broke out and could have offloaded or at least just recycled the balls trying to crawl and, and wriggle his way up to the line, double movements type sort of stuff. Like those guys, when, you know, that, that's the thing that separates them from the clinical, precise, um, Guys like Moanga, um, like like the normal center combination, like some of the other forwards, like it's just um, it's a great opportunity for them because they get to play in what is a very competitive match and and show like guys like Tupo Vai 
guys like um, oh, I'm going to forget his name now. The, the Quintapia in inside center. Um, like it's awesome to see those guys out there because they are very talented. They're they're the next crop coming through. Um, but you can see that just the little blemishes in their game that that mean that this instead of being a 50, 55 point to the 13 or whatever the margin was, it's it's you know they they spoil a few opportunities that the A team just wouldn't have. Yeah, and you, you, you've got to think, well, you know, when they come together for this next game, will there be any rust from not playing for a week? You know, will any of that momentum drop off? Um, will that give South Africa a chance to be in this game? Um, will we just go back to a kicking fest and, and neither team willing to play much rugby? I think New Zealand needs to come out and stick to their guns and look to counterattack, but also look to keep some possession. Um, because I just don't think that South Africa has the potency. New Zealand across the board at the moment has probably the best squad depth of any team in the world, um, even though they've lost some key guys from their, you know, last few years they've had some guys step away. But I think now it's clear that they're really building again for the next two years into this next World Cup. So New Zealand, not much to say really. It, it probably shows to me that we need to come out as the Wallabies and really beat the Pumas pretty well to, to say that we've had a good end to our campaign because this Pumas team is, again, a bit of a shadow of its former self from last year. That's right. So 36 to 13, this ends up um, a little bit of excitement still. Um, Emiliano Buffelli got the start on the wing here. First time he's sort of been in the starting team for the Pumas this year. He's a guy that excited us a lot in Super Rugby and previously at the international level um, as both sort of a dynamic sort of fullback a lot of the time, good under the high ball and got some good elusivity. But definitely some little sparks of maybe this team is finding a little bit of form. Um, they've brought in the new young Carreras um, as their number 10, replacing Sanchez in this one, um, who definitely seemed to bring a little bit of spark. And it's just, it's hard to see why they don't, have more sort of dominance in their forward pack. Like they're, they're back sort of five second rowers and back row. They've got a huge, some really big boys and some really dynamic guys um, off the back of like Pablo Matera, Marcus Crema, even like Lavanini um, and the like. So definitely not someone the Wallabies should be looking to take lightly next week. Need to um, come with the same mentality, I think, as what we were putting up against the Springboks. Massive trap game, I think, for us. Coming off two really, really good performances. Confidence is up, but the Pumas can surprise you. I I expect us to, if we play like we did against Africa in this game, we should tear them apart. But if we take our foot off the pedal, if there's any sort of complacency there for the Wallabies, the Pumas will get a sniff and they'll run with it. Um, and they'll, I, re- I think, really be determined to, at the same time, finish this campaign better than they started it because obviously it's been pretty embarrassing for them. Um, and as a pretty prideful team, they'll look to bounce back. But, yeah, Wallabies should be too good for these guys. Yeah, I would I would hope so. And they're, they're going to be very, um, very keen to get a win or two or some sort of result out of these last two games. And they're, they're very unpredictable. Like, they, the situation may not really... Um, be conducive to a little chip through, but they try those sorts of things 
uh, all the time. It's expect the unexpected with these guys. And the I suppose the thing that that supports that that type of creative play, they've got a lot of really fast outside guys, a lot of really good roaming back rowers who have the skills to to dive on something that's a 50-50 chance and turn it into a breakout. So our structure needs to be really strong. We need to make sure we we pressure their ball players, um, try and close down the opportunities for those kicks because we're probably going to be doing it with a makeshift fullback, right? We're either going to put Hodge in, maybe Jock comes in, maybe something else. Like the the commentaries um, love seems to be on like, oh, Patea is going to be developed into a fullback, which I just do not see, but they've said it enough times that someone must be thinking it or, or saying it to them. Um so that that change at the back, we've now sort of cemented the Callaway, Marika wings. I think the centers are probably pretty solid. Like Icky yeah, hasn't lost himself with the jersey, that. so Hunter's probably out of a gig for now, which is he's yeah, he keeps out getting him, better and better. Terrible timing, but yeah, that combination is he's just, starting to tackle like Hunter as well. He's like nailing people, yeah, and he's you know, got punching above his weight. Um, it's just whether his durability at 13. Being a smaller body, whether that will take he's its toll. He's not small. He's not a big guy, though. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's not the biggest want, guy, but he's, but he's not small. I mean, he's bigger than Hunter. Uh, so, is yeah, he bigger than Hunter? Yes, he is. He taller, might be a bit taller. I don't know if he's taller and a couple of kilos heavier. Okay. So, I mean, there's not much in a couple of kilos, right? But if the guy's in form, he's the hot hand, and you're not probably likely to change that, especially with other changes that are going to be forced. So yeah. I think most likely it's Hodge comes in at fullback, which gives you boot. Please bring in Connor needs to come in. But I'm saying most likely. I'm saying most likely because I think I don't know they'll, they'll say, oh, he did well enough. He had some good moments on the weekend. Oh, he got he a really important pill for really struggled under that high ball. I thought he, he was really horrible. struggled under the high ball. And, and we can't afford to have a, um, a weak spot like that. Yeah. So if O'Connor's fit, but you're also putting him into a, a position that he hasn't played for quite some time, um, he does a lot of work at the back retrieving balls and, and and clearing anyway. So hopefully it's not too much. That's that's the change I would be happy with. Hodge, it would feel makeshift and it would feel like our second best option. Anything other than that, uh, you're not drawing on someone who's got significant experience in that position or any significant combination with the players around them. So... Uh, I really hope they don't do anything but those two, and my my hope is definitely with the the jock option. Yeah, what made me hopeful about Jock actually getting the opportunity was Rennie kind of giving little hints that he got his speed back. He was looking really good. He'd come, you know, back in great condition from the injury. Um, so just hints like that because I think earlier on they were saying, look, we couldn't play him in the midfield or at the back because his speed wasn't there. And now, there's, now they seem to be saying, oh, look, he's actually improved that area. And so we'd be more willing to give him a shot out the back um, in those wider channels. So that that gives me some hope. that, And also the fact that Hodgie just didn't seem to really take his opportunity on the weekend. And he's looking shaky in a lot of parts of his game still. So I'm hoping he rides the pine. Um, Patea, I mean... That guy's still a bit of a liability, honestly. You never know what he's going to do. He can win you a game. He can lose you a game. He needs more game time. Um, I can't. I don't think you can trust him at thirteen. I think the best place for him is on the wing, as a, a nat- natural athlete, kind of poor man's Rico Yuani kind of figure. Um, until he plays a whole season at fifteen for like the Reds or something, there's no way 
I'd be throwing him in the deep end back there. So, Leo, I'm with you. I hope Jock gets the nod. Um, but, yeah, it's surely it's got to be between those two and and that's kind of going to make the rotation up anyway if, if Reese starts and Jock's on the bench with Patea and vice versa if Jock starts, Reese is on the bench with Patea. So I think either way we've got those three guys making up the reserve backs and then I expect Nick White to keep his place and Tate to probably be on the bench again as well um, unless he's injured. So... Yeah, I think Nick White was good enough to to continue on with that combination with Quaid and Karevi really bringing that experience. The real question that I have is, do we get to see a little bit of Sean McMahon this weekend? I think he starts. I don't know if anyone missed that, but he is in the squad. I don't know how big the squad is now. They just keep adding people. It's Why like, not? Yeah, Why not? Did a 14-minute interview today on rugby. There's a lot of Sean McMahon on, on all, yeah, on all the social media. Like, I think he starts at six. Up. I think he starts at eight. I think they move Valentini back to six. Yeah, eight maybe. probably is. I think him off the Last back. time he was in the wall of pretty dynamic. That's know. right. I mean, he's, he would be the ultimate open side, but we know that's not going to happen. He's he's a bigger, angrier, more dynamic hooper. The other attributes, you know, his work rate's not going to be quite the same, but God, he packs a punch and he's just, he's it's like he's covered in grease, right? People just fall off him. They, they can't bring him down. So get him, off, get him off the back of the scrum at eight, give Valentini uh, a support role, um, you know, also hitting it up. But look, look at the ball runners you then have in the back line, like, Swinton, I just don't think was a, a really um, dynamic ball runner. He really penetrated. He's a big lump. He's a bit top, top heavy. He tends to get taken down and wrapped up. So get someone who's slippery, and, and suddenly you're looking at are they going to chuck it to Valentini or McMahon or Hooper? Is the, yeah. you know the the speed out wide as well? Like that. That's that's the kind of game plan you could bring against Argentina. You're not going to be out muscled, and you're not going to be um, less dynamic than them. Can Can McMahon jump in the line out? Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Because that'd be the only thing about taking out Swinter and not. That's right. We'd have to make sure we still have someone as that third jumper. Yeah, I don't know other... that the Argentinian lineout is one of their real strengths. I think it's all right. But, yeah. um, and not that you want to compromise because Swinton has been good, but I think McMahon's capable. So it really depends how he shows at training. The thing I'm worried about is that, you know, is it Pete Samu who misses out rather than Swinton? Because it's more it's like for like player. Yeah. yeah. It's possible. You know, do you just rotate? Summer's just been out. so impactful off the bench. He's been really last, good. Yeah. The last three games. And maybe we try and really burn them in the last 20, 30 minutes with this kind of lighter, smaller pack that can get around the park like, like nothing else. Mm. And these bigger Argent, Argentine forwards just can't keep up. And we just kind of steamroll them in the last 20 minutes through just out and out pace. Um, going to be interesting to see what they do because, you know, with the bench that we have, we have a lot of guys coming on that can add a lot of punch. You know, Angus Bell, even if Taniel is back on the bench, there's there's a lot of dynamic players coming on. I'd love to see McMahon just get the start and see 60, 70 minutes from him. But it's is it too early for him to be doing that? Do you give him a cameo level? off the bench and then maybe the last game he gets his Exactly. Start? Do you play it a bit more safe and say, well, Look, he hasn't played for the Wallabies for what four years? Yeah, I think twenty. A long time. His last year. You know, is there going to be any sort of, um, you know, lack lack of match fitness at this level? Mm. You know, he's been in quarantine as well, which has apparently turned into a bit of a home gym for two weeks and just went nuts, and has come in 
you know, in some of the best, you know, one of the fittest guys in the squad. But yeah, huge. I think like this, these two games, we want to win them and win them well. But I think there's still a little bit of room for experimentation um, in some positions. So I hope Rennie kind of makes use of that opportunity. So backing the Wallabies here and the All Blacks um, to both win and win well? Yeah, I think All Blacks. You know, unless South Africa come in and come out and just absolutely bring, you know, that aggression that they can be known for, I don't think they'll be able to keep up with the All Blacks. I just think the All Blacks are at another level right now um, and they, they should win it by 10 or more. Yeah, if we showed that we can um, out outrun out out last the Springboks with our fitness, the All Blacks are in a very similar position. They're really well conditioned. They've just been able to give some of their key guys a week off. They're going to be fresh, whereas the Springboks been fighting to the death two weeks in a row, um, and I think that's going to wear on them. So I expect that even if they are competitive early they haven't been a big try scoring side, right? They've still been just an accumulator, hold out and accumulate, hold out and accumulate. And it just, it just doesn't tend to work in their, in their favor against the all blacks, the all blacks will score. So whether it's close for 25, 30 and the all blacks do their classic, you know, put a try on late and half and then come out in the second half and just begin that rolling dominance. Um, or, or if it's just dominance from the start, I think the all blacks definitely have, the, the upper hand in pretty much every every department. It would take something really special from the Springboks um, to win. Uh, I just you know you always want to see a competitive game. The Wallabies with the Argentinians, like again, expect the unexpected. Anything can happen. They're going to be desperate. They're going to be emotional. Play off that. Look for guys who are who are being a bit loose and a bit out of position because they're just putting in too much an individual, losing their structure, losing the the linking to players around them and target that. And I think the smarts we now have in the inside backs will help us exploit that. I think the Samu and Quaid combination and and the, the firepower outside that, um, that's that's what we're going to utilise. We're going to blow holes in them at some point. This is just like such a huge opportunity for us to solidify these two really magnificent wins in the context of our season. Like we were really trending the wrong way we've turned it all around the last thing we want to do is come out and lose this this his first game and then yeah you know maybe we're deeming win the next one like we wanted two solid wins to build upon mm-hmm. the foundation foundations we've now set and then go into a spring tour and in, in which i think we can win probably three out of four games of that as well so i think mm-hmm. we could really have a very successful 2021 if we go out and, and beat the Pumas two games in a row. Absolutely. And you, you can feel it from two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the feeling around Rugby Australia uh, among fans, the Australian public was just dour. The interest was dropping, dipping, and then suddenly we beat Springboks twice in a row. And you can just feel there's a renewed vigour, a renewed enthusiasm for the game, I think. Um, and it's a credit, I think, to as well, like getting these double headers up in Queensland. I think it's all going to bode really well and then another one up in Townsville this weekend that's going to be great to see and as you mentioned Toby the spring tour has been announced um we've got four games to look forward to starting with Japan uh on the 23rd of October and then off to Scotland England and Wales 
throughout November as well, which is a really nice lead-in, I think, as well um, to these games. Often we've found that we've been playing England as our first sort of game on the on this tour, and it always makes it very difficult coming straight against there. But a little bit more build-up time with these, I think, will do us well in that. Other news around, and we've had um, the Fijian and Drua name their first five players um, for their squad, their marquee players, and been given their um, team numbers as number one through five as team members. So not counting any of the um, any of the Drua team that participated in the ARC or anything like that um, previously, but um, I can tell you that the number one first player named is. Uh, gold medalist Napoleono Balaka, or Naps as he gets called, um, who's moved from sevens to join the club, um, whether he plays sort of fly half fullback or somewhere in their backs with his sevens background, but looking to be um, an absolutely gun sort of centrepiece around for this team to build on coming into Super Rugby Pacific in 2022. But we'll obviously bring you more information on those squads as they develop money pacifica will be releasing some names in the coming weeks as well but we've got two big games to look forward to this weekend we need to consolidate need to keep going look for three in a row Rennie needs his men to do proud hopefully we see the likes of those names we mentioned mcmahon o'connor getting back on the field uh for the wallabies the men in gold and continue some of this momentum that we're getting. That's coming from Townsville this Saturday night, um, kicking off at um, 5.05 local time for New Zealand, South Africa, and then the later game, Australia versus the Pumas. Um, Make sure you are subscribing and looking at us on the social media, guys, at Running Rugby Podcast on Twitter on Instagram and at, at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter and make sure you're liking and subscribing whenever you download. Big game for the men in gold. Make it three in a row this weekend. Keep on running. Run.